0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. How about my Lakers? Basketball is back. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. Not just the NBA and my great Lakers, also college basketball as well. And you'll find the latest odds, team matchups, information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online, our great sponsor here. And it's, it's it's the best place not only for sports betting information, but a way to bet on your favorite teams and your sporting events. NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA. I'm a poet and I don't even know it. You can also bet on tennis, boxing, or even golf. I'll, have a, I'll put $100 on, on Brandon Wu this weekend in Mexico. Really? Wow. I still have a hard time believing that people are betting on golf. I, I would have bet on Golf Tiger or the field back in the day. That would have been fun. Nevertheless, head to betonline.ag and join and get your 50% welcome bonus. If you're not a member already, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit just for being friends with JT and Looney. But you've got to use the promo code believe B L E A V. Believe B L E A V. Use that promo code to get your 50% welcome bonus. Thanks to our friends at Bet Online, our great sponsor, Bet Online, where the game starts. And now the podcast starts, damn it. Three, two, and one, episode 149. Welcome to the JT and Looney podcast. Never
1: sounded better. Never been tighter as friends. Are you listening to the podcast? Are you downloading? Are you sharing? Are you liking? Are you subscribing? Are you doing what you're supposed to do? Because if you don't do any of that, it's just two guys talking. But uh, we
0: appreciate everybody <laughs> yes. tuning
1: in. How are you, Tom?
0: I'm doing great as we take a look in the NFL at our top quarterback in the NFL, which would be Tui tongue <laughs> of the Miami Dolphins, according to my trusty NFL quarterback rating. So I guess we're in the Tua tongue era.
1: Yeah, Tua gets the ball out quickly. He underthrows everyone. He's got great receivers. At times, he just throws it as far as he can, and he's 10 yards short, and the guys come running back, and they catch <laughs> the ball. Yes. Or then he just he just calls a play at the line of scrimmage, and they throw it behind the line of scrimmage. And Waddle catches it or Tyreek Hill. And then they go for 60 yards. So that helps all your numbers.
0: There's some really cool uh, chicken soup for the soul stories as he comes back from his concussion that we got to witness. Geno Smith coming back. People didn't even know he was still in the NFL. Geno Smith is playing amazing football for the Seattle Seahawks. We thought this was going to be a rebuilding year for the Seattle Seahawks. And he's doing a lot for Pete Carroll's reputation. He's making Pete Carroll in the Seattle Seahawks franchise look pretty good.
1: I had Dave Softy Mahler on one of our favorite. Oh, guests, he's great. On the show. And he you just wind him up and let him go. Right. And we went year by year with Geno Smith. It's the most, it is without a doubt, the number one all-time reclamation story. Yes. There were seasons, right? He came in with the Jets, and he had more interceptions and touchdowns, and then he got benched early. So he's a high pick. He got benched. Then there were years. I'm not talking games. There were years where he was like four of eight yes. for like sixty for the year. And then there, he went to the Chargers for a cup of coffee and literally had just a couple of attempts. And then he shows up and he even went to Seattle and played well in Seattle one year backing up Russell Wilson. But then all of this just flipped. And I think the, the moral message to the story is simple. Be prepared. We've talked for decades, you and I, about the backup quarterback. Most backup quarterbacks, they go to the meeting. They sit behind the starter. They listen. They have to. They're getting paid. They go to practice, and they get a couple of reps in. But one in a million of these guys, not that many, but one in every 60 of them get a chance to do what Gino's doing, and he's killing it. Well,
0: you reminded me of two different people here. First, Jim Valvano. Never, ever, ever give up. If You believe in yourself. Never, ever, ever give up. And number two, I don't know how he's listening live. Steve DeBerg is on the phone. (laughs) He said he had a similar career as a backup for years until he finally had a chance to have a few good years with the Chiefs. But, yeah, rarely does it happen like it has happened for Geno Smith. And, you know, I love my running quarterbacks. I was always thought his I was hoping his project would reclimate because I loved the way he played in college. Well, let's not forget Jeff Hostetler, who backed up Phil Simms and won a Super Bowl, yeah. and, went and
1: beat Joe Montana in San Francisco. And then I was there for wide right. And then one of the most important Super Bowls of all time: Jeff Hostetler, backup quarterback. But you know he was athletic; he was ready to go and ready to play. But you you mentioned Geno Smith, and on top of that, Tom Brady. His only three-game losing streak in 20 years. Let that wow. sink in. In 20 years, guys have three-game losing streaks. How many Derek Carr three-game losing streaks do we have over his career, right? Right. First one, and then Aaron Rodgers can't win a game.
0: Can't win a game. Oh. Yeah, Rodgers, I, he can't I, beat I, anybody. I texted you last week and said Joe Flacco and the Packers don't look very good. Aaron Rodgers seems to have forgotten how to play football. Any, any you know, there are other great minds in the blah, blah, blah business who've agreed with me that he may have mixed up rich with smart. He really loves to hear himself talk now. And you're a football player and you're really, really good at it. But don't mix yourself up with a rocket scientist. Well,
1: there's two quarterbacks we're talking about that are in similar situations. One, Tom Brady going through a divorce, 13 years with Giselle, which I'm fascinated because he finally spoke about it. He went out and talked about it with Jim Gray on his podcast, Let's Go, which is on the SiriusXM platform, little plug there. And I couldn't believe he talked about the divorce. And basically, it was very vanilla, but it was the kids, the kids, the kids. We'll take care of the kids and all of that. And, you know, a, a yeah, you
0: can't lose with that card.
1: Can't lose with that. But the issue became, which I'm fascinated by this, because a lot of my friends, not many of them, but enough have been divorced. Right. And some of them have had the ultimatum. And I've always said this, you know, My I have a great wife and my wife doesn't give me ultimatums and I don't give her ultimatums. She doesn't have to. She doesn't have to say, hey, get out of the gaming bar and stop playing video poker at four in the morning and lose all of our college money. Right. I don't do that, right? right? But, you know, there are things that you do in a marriage that maybe you have to reel the other half back in. Do you think if Tom would have listened to Giselle and said, you really don't want me to play? Okay, I'm going to stop playing. I'm going to stay with my businesses you think they would have stayed married long? I think. Oh,
0: no. yeah. I know you say no. I saw your tweet because you tweet more than any other human yeah, thing sure. on the face. Elon, of the Elon Earth.
1: Musk now bought Twitter, so I might be forced not to. Tweet.
0: Yeah, <laughs> God, I I, like I, Elon. you never stop. Uh, I, I, I think it would have. I think it would have saved the marriage. Yeah, I, I, I do not agree with you. I couldn't it's, disagree. Why, with you why more. could it's because he's over identifying, he's over identifying. I've always said your friend Pete Rose has, has done this. He's over identifying with an image of Tom Brady rather than being Tom Brady. You don't have to be Tom Brady, the football player anymore. And he feels like he's going to lose some of himself. If he does. And, you know, I am the resident psychiatrist here on the show. And that's well- what I believe.
1: I don't believe that. I believe if you start giving ultimatums, then there's, the marriage is broken. The marriage is going to be broken at some point if you say, you know, put down the fork, put down the drink put down the credit card, put this down, you start giving ultimatums, yeah, people always say in life, you know, they're not going to change. People don't change. They only change when they have to change. Oh, see, this is where I don't they're agree forced with you. To change. Yeah, well, people a lot of people are, I'm people talking are marriage
0: capable of incredible change. Laura Bush told George on his 40th birthday, and he hadn't done anything by the time he was 40. It's a great story, so I'm not knocking him. It's a great story. PBS once did a special in 2000 on Gore and and bush it was could you imagine we had to watch a pbs special in 2000 that's how times changed. it's to see this a biography of these two guys they both had opposite stories Uh, al gore jr was running for president since he was 10 and george w bush didn't really find himself until he was 40 both were great stories but laura said to george stop drinking on his 40th birthday gave him an ultimatum how'd that work out for george w bush worked out
1: well but it doesn't work out for football players, I believe, and Tom Brady. So, <laughs> Well, and you're Brady, right.
0: I just gave one example, and that's not how they do studies. But uh, it, it, it can work. And you don't think that it would have worked.
1: And for Tom Brady, he's playing poorly. So you can directly tie his poor performance, I believe, into his personal life. Because Tom Brady, everything we've seen with him, the, the little snippets, is him having the avocado ice cream or the blueberry shake, you know, just snake and looking over film, right? Just sitting in his library or in his office, looking over film while the kids are doing homework or whatever. That's the only glimpse we have of him. And if he's not able to do that as much, which is not as much, and he has to be on the phone with divorce attorneys and he has to be on the phone or get his wife on the phone that doesn't want to talk to him, that would have a, a negative effect on your football play there. And he's never had really a bad year. He's been the greatest quarterback of all time by a lot. So his age is declining. He's officially divorced. Hey, bravo, by the way, how come he was able to get divorced in 10 minutes? I know Kardashian, the Kardashians have to wait and everybody else really? has to wait. Does he have some attorney that said, oh, Tom, by tomorrow, just just sign this one document and then airdrop it to me and it's all over. A matter of fact, thank <laughs> you. I
0: got, I got to text Johnny Depp and let him know yeah. he's got to talk to Tom Brady about how to do this next time.
1: Okay. Tom didn't go to court like Johnny Depp. Tom didn't go to court and have to do that. But then we get to Aaron Rodgers, who I, I think it's also fair to say, when you're super rich, Aaron Rodgers is fit, good-looking guy. He's the face of a franchise. It shouldn't be difficult to get a girlfriend or a wife. I mean, it should be really easy to get a girlfriend or a wife. Right? And he can't do that, so he's given us a glimpse into his life with his Pat McAfee interviews and the podcast and the world that he's been in the yoga cleanse that he can't handle a relationship at all. Now, is that affecting the Packers on this losing streak? I don't know, but Brady and Rodgers are both playing pretty bad football on some football teams that they can't turn around, and that's the key to the story. They both were able to snap their fingers at any time and have a
0: 350-yard game and win games. They can't do it now. Sooner or later, this was going to happen to Aaron Rodgers because football, you played rugby. I played football at the highest level in Pop Warner Warner, in high school and you it's a team game and as we've learned from aaron Rodgers, i mean there are anomalies anomalies in this culture we've 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 talked about guys who've made it in the talk radio business as a guy's guy host who aren't guys guys some people can fake it for so only so long aaron's not a team guy he's not on team rogers he doesn't get along with his family we don't know who any of his friends might be because he might not have any and he doesn't get along with his brother. So that the, the, the. Oh, you're talking Kyrie Irving or Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> yeah, they're both nuts. And you got to get along with people, especially in football. We see wild cards who don't need anybody to get along in the NBA. But everyone's got to get along on a football team. You got to love each other and your coach. And those are the teams that really succeed in the NFL. It's uh, it's, it's uh, you know, it sounds overly romantic. Yes. But talk to anybody who's won championships and they'll agree with me.
1: Well, you know, you talk about being being on Twitter too much. I don't take uh, links from anti semitic right. documentaries and thumb them up or send them out. Right. Followers and all of that. And Kyrie Irving, Steve Nash lost his job because he's got wackadoodle crazy egomaniacs. Kevin Durant <laughs> right. is near the top of that list. He's That's an egomaniac. Tried to force his way out this summer. We were on the radio together talking about that topic. Couldn't the owner Joe Tsai said, "No. Okay, enough of your bullshit, Kevin Durant. We're not you got 4 years left on the deal. You're going to report back to work. Kyrie sat in Los Angeles wanting to get moved to the Lakers before Durant. That didn't happen. And then we come back and the season starts and the Lakers and the Nets are combined one and 10 in their first group of games. We'll get to the Lakers in a second, but all of a sudden, Kyrie Irving, anti-Semitism, Charles Barkley wants them suspended. Shaq and Charles were brilliant on TNT, basically saying, hello, commissioner, you're not doing anything. We're bigger than you because everybody watches us on television and we're Hall of Famers. We'd suspend a guy. Steve Nash gets whacked. And the largest condensement of the Jewish population in America, fact, not fiction, is Brooklyn. Yeah. Think of that for a second. And now you got fans sitting in the front row sending messages on T shirts to Kyrie Irving. Athletes, and I'm sure they were crazy back in the day, but athletes in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s didn't have their phones. Tied to a social media platform where they can make mistakes and show their other side so easily.
0: And they had media covering for them back in the day. If you go back in the sure. hot dog time machine, what a lot of people don't know is that's why those heroes and Joe DiMaggio, etc., were portrayed as such heroes because the per diem for the writers who rode on the train with the players and drank with the players, all of their expenses were paid for, not by the newspaper that they wrote for back in the day. Or the television station or the radio station that covered the team. It was paid for by the team. So if you didn't cover the team in a positive light, you didn't have a job. And so that's what's changed about the athletes. Nothing has changed about the athletes, but they all have their own phone now. And sometimes we get to see their true colors. We get to see Kyrie Irving's surprising insecurities. and I'm not Kyrie Irving's surprising insecurities. um, uh, KD's surprising insecurities. Kyrie Irving, connect the dots here. He believes in a flat earth. So he's anti-Semite. So he doesn't believe in the vaccine and he's an anti-Semite. That's yeah. I, one. So none he's of a that, max.
1: Oh, and you forgot another thing. He's a max player. He, so they pay
0: him <laughs> the max for all this insanity. <laughs> Somebody Dude, else didn't collect about. those, connect those dots before they wrote those checks or decided to to give him those contracts. You're right. He believes in a flat earth. Yeah, you got, How did a billionaire owner get talked into giving a flat earther A contract at all,
1: and remember, Kyrie supposedly went to Duke. I remember playing him playing a little basketball, but he supposedly went to Duke. It was under the mentorship of a guy named Coach K. Yeah, yeah, and he's saying all this bullshit, which is incredible. Just quickly on the NBA, as we record this, it's a train wreck. Now, there's always teams doing well. Like, San Antonio's not supposed to do well. Cleveland, who cares? Okay, it's the beginning of the year. The Lakers got their first win of the season and celebrated by (laughs) pouring water and dipping tanks of water over their coach. Where do you put that in the level of rock-bottom celebrations in your life? Now, think about this. I got all over the Mets because when the Mets this year, it it was always the Mets in Atlanta, never Philly who's kicking ass in the World Series. It was the Mets in Atlanta. And the Mets clinched the third wild card, which meant this. They won a game, forget against two, which meant they were into the world, into the playoffs, which meant they had the lowest seed at that second. They didn't clinch the division. And I'm on the air, and I'm talking, and I see in the locker room, they're showing a bunch of Mets players with champagne flutes, you know, those little (laughs) girly glasses. And they're drinking champagne, and I go, wait, but they didn't win the division. They I guess they didn't win the wild card. The first one, they entered the third wild card portal. I said, this is a bad idea. They got the division. Then remember, they folded in Atlanta Degrom Grom and Scherzer lost. And now Philly, who didn't celebrate like that, didn't act like idiots. They're two games away from winning the World Series as we record this.
0: Well, how do you how embarrassed do you think I am? Because you and I, for years on the radio, have been saying, get off my lawn to people who win divisions or even just win the uh, national league championship, the American league, whatever it is, they're over celebrating the locker room, covering everything in plastic and spraying champagne on each other and not for winning a championship for winning divisions. Well, let's dive into winning, this. Oh my we God. It's been driving us yet. both crazy for decades.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe my son can take a snippet of this and put it out there. Cause this is really important. I think this goes back to mom's, the juice box culture. Sorry, moms. I'm going to throw some dads in, so I don't get arrested. It's the parents at the t-ball level. Soccer's the worst at this.
0: Everyone gets a trophy. Everyone's everybody gets, gets a trophy mentioned in the
1: newsletter. Every. I remember as a, as my father, if he's watching this as a young boy, we were very fortunate to win all the time in Little League. My dad was a legendary coach, a Little League coach, knew everybody in town, taught all these kids. Big part of my dad's legacy is that he was a great coach, a great baseball manager. And I remember we won a lot. So we won an A ball, and double A ball, so 9, 10, 11. And I remember when we lost once. I'll never forget how we lost. I was the catcher, the worst player on the other team. I'm talking the worst player, the guy who bats ninth, hit a home run against us which was really like a scene out of a movie. It stayed with me my whole life as he rounded the bases. And I threw the helmet uh, mask off and I'm screaming for the outfield to get the ball in the kid scores and our rival team beats us and we lose. And I remember how devastated I was and how classy my dad was shaking hands with the other coach who was my, one of my best friend's dad and they were jumping up and down and celebrating. And I was on the verge of tears as a little leaguer and there was no trophy we didn't get a second place trophy oh, none of the moms right. none of the moms came behind the fence and hugged us no one came to us and said well here's your here's your juice box and here's the, we're gonna go get ice cream everybody just sat there aghast right freaking out going what just happened and there was no reward no one was yelling at us my dad was classy he said hey better team won they beat us whatever was said no i'll never forget to drive home with my dad and just it stayed with my dad and myself our entire lives. But dating back to now, you win the third wild card, the third. Oh, and let me remind you this, too. But
0: before you get to the, th- the same thing here about if you go back in the hot tub time machine, where I always have fun talking about my legendary Pop Warner career. And we had a great coach, Jay Palmer, a New York State trooper. And uh, who, who, who had his full time job, right, risking his life. And then we come and coach us seven days a week. We practiced six days a week, and we played on Sunday. And he always reminded us, because we 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 won. We kept winning championships, too, but he would remind us there's no trophy for second place. We have the pizza party
1: yep, that's and it. trophies.
0: If we win the championship, no championship, no trophy. So
1: what do you think of the Lakers winning one game? And I'll go first. <laughs> I think the pressure was so heavy on Darvin Ham to get his first win because the Lakers were awful and they got hall of famers that I think the Lakers waited for him in the locker room. They sprayed him with everything that was available in the locker room to tell the coach, Hey coach, we've done this to you. We've been this bad. You have us prepared to play. We let you down. It's your first win as the head coach of the Lakers. So we're going to celebrate it and have a lot of fun. But man, I thought it was a terrible look the following. It it was
0: a bad look. And you know, it's a set up the way you put together that scenario. If they love their coach, that's a good sign. Uh, If they did it for him, that's fine. But they also should have done it without cameras rolling. There's a there's a way to get those things done in society now, isn't there? You can get something done without having pictures taken. You can take your shirt off in the bathroom without without lifting up your phone and snapping a picture in the mirror. It can be done. And it also can be done in the locker room. And if they did that for him, then that's great. But it never should have been on television. That's so embarrassing. And notice what I'm doing here and what people need to do in society more often with politics and with sports. Have a sense of humor and be able to laugh at yourself and don't defend the indefensible and say, what about, what about, what about whether it's politics or sports, you have to take a look at something that's ridiculous, your team, that's ridiculous, your politician, that's ridiculous and say, wow, that's embarrassing.
1: And and the other big part of the story, the other side is that life is short, especially on teams, right? Every team breaks up. They don't bring back teams again. So when the Yankees won the American league East, they got off to this quick start, they're on pace to win 120 games, and they went in the tank in August, then they had a hold on and they won the American League East and they went into the locker room and remember when they won, they put goggles on, they covered up the locker, and they won a division, and they celebrated and it's the Yankees and I was like, I'm okay with this because it was very it was a roller coaster, plus judge was chasing the home run record. there's a lot right. of stress on the team. Boone is on the back page one they want to get fired every day so I don't mind that. I just think that, you know, the era that we're living in now celebrating guys want to celebrate because they're so rich. That's the issue here that we're not getting into when you're making 19 million dollars to come off the bench in the NBA and play six minutes and you have that much money and you're able and you've gone through covid for two years and the strip clubs closed and you're not having the parties you used to have and you're not doing what you want to do. Hey, you want to celebrate in the locker room, drink a bunch of beer, some champagne. I get that, but there's a time to do it. And I think it should be you should win your division. Forget this wild card bullshit celebration. They should outlaw a wild card party. You win your division. And then as you enter each round of the postseason, go ahead and do that. But how come NFL players don't do that when the NFL players win the wild card? You see NFL players with champagne and goggles? Yeah, celebrating
0: like they are eating (laughs) and drinking like they're going to the electric chair. You're right. They do that when they They win the AFC or the NFC championship. Yeah, yeah, they do. And they they have a thing on the field. Okay, you're going to go to the Super Bowl. You're going to go to the championship game. I get that. But the divisions, and when you win a division in the NFL, you would never see that. You shouldn't see it in baseball either. And at the very least, we've talked about this before with champagne and with martinis. Can you get us a more masculine glass? Champagne, good champagne's amazing. And a good martini, it's like rocket fuel. But I, I can't drink out of that dainty glass. Yeah, the
1: flutes. <laughs> oh, God.
0: Did you see the Manti Teo documentary? Yes, I did. I it was oh.
1: fantastic. The great oh, my God. film, documentary in sports. It probably is going to win multiple awards. Uh, I thought Bezzard, it was fantastic. Yeah. It really took you behind the scene of catfishing. And that's if some of the, our younger podcast viewers and listeners don't know what it's like to be catfished.
0: Oh, actually, they it was the older people that might not know what that means. They think that oh, that's true. something you right. throw back. Right. Uncle Jerry always uh, threw uh, back I the I apologize catfish. for that mistake. You're <laughs> right. A lot
1: of our older viewers and listeners don't know what catfishing means.
0: And everyone learned what it was. who was following sports with the Manti saga back in the day. And I, I, the one thing I was really worried about as I watched it and got to understand it and digest it from all points of view, which documentaries don't always come from all points of view. They talked to everybody involved, including the catfish. It was quite the character. It had amazing how it happened. The serendipitous way it ended up being meant, mostly ethnic related Mm -hmm. and how how it ended up being that way. And I was just wondering how we covered it. And I know that you and I don't take the same type of shots that other people take sports talk radio but we did cover it from every angle but from a more ignorant angle than we when we had no choice but to cover it from an ignorant, ignorant angle we, we were short very few facts when it happened but now that i know more about it and got to know him and what a decent person he was how we may have misjudged it in a lot of different ways also based on our ethnicity and our whiteness and misjudged, well, what he could have any girl he wants well yeah but she was he thought it was a girl, and he thought she was Polynesian, as his father put it. I think the way the father, Matt Tao's father put it, was, really gave a great clarity to, me, clarity to me. He said when he thought that she was Polynesian, all the orange cones went down.
1: Yeah.
0: In his tribe, they're Hawaiian, they're Mormon, they're Polynesian. But if somebody else is one of those three things, or all of those three things, no more orange cones. They don't necessarily try to trust outsiders as Hawaiians, as non-whites, etc., as Mormons. But the you know the caution went down. He just trusted this person because she had the same background, and it was a fascinating documentary. And you got to learn what a good person he was, and how that that whole soap opera wrecked him.
1: Yeah, not only did it wreck him, what I thought the big issue was also when she claimed he, who ended up being a she, right? she and who ended up being a he ended up talking about the death and how he was able to tell the public about oh. the death of his girlfriend, which should have never happened by well, that, that point. Someone in the family should have been more involved to see if this was true. And then. Next thing you know, when you're talking about it at a pep rally or you're talking about it to a reporter on a sideline, you're talking about it at the Heisman Trophy presentation, the death of your partner at that time. That's where it really got out of control. It, and it, it was. and, and then, it, But you it. see
0: also when you take the precious wisdom of 2020 hindsight in this documentary. He was 21. He was a 21 year old, never really had a girlfriend. Football was his girlfriend. And that was perfect for him that she was out of town and on the phone. Cause he was real. Everybody was white where he lived. He didn't want to really want to date anybody there anyway, which we never thought of. And so he could just concentrate on football and, He's going on with Katie Couric, who's a ghoul, and she's asking him about his sexual orientation. He's got to answer this in front of his parents when he's 21. Another thing you said about parents taking over the situation or an adult in the room taking it over because he wasn't. And I mean, technically under the law he was, but, you know, he wasn't. And when you watch those videos of his interviews, you can tell he's still very childlike and, and such a good person that his dad did ask some questions. But when he saw his son wasn't fully answering, you know, sometimes you get uncomfortable asking your kids too many questions. And if it seems like there is something, his dad used the term cloak and dagger. It seemed like there was some kind of cloak and dagger going on. He was getting uncomfortable asking his son too many questions about his love life. As parents do sometimes get uncomfortable, especially if they think that there's something going on, his dad stopped asking questions. And when his dad stopped asking questions, it got worse. And when his whole life was exposed and what
1: happened here, if you haven't seen the documentary uh, on Netflix on Manti Teo, go see it. It was all about redemption afterwards. He was yeah. just out here in Vegas. They had the Shamrock Classic, so it was Notre Dame playing BYU in Vegas, and I wasn't able to attend the game, but he was the whole halftime. NBC did a really good job. They made the halftime about the Manti Teo documentary. Right. So halftime guest. you know how they usually go to Tony Dungy and he doesn't know what camera to look at, and he's like, yeah, oh, <laughs> right. Thing. Or what they're doing. Yeah, he they made it about him and his reclamation and how popular he is. And now with a child and married and you just felt good about him. So it was about an individual who went through a horrific situation in his life, was lying about it, was duped, got caught. It came out. He was playing football at the highest level then was kind of put in the penalty box by the media and people and even notre dame for a long time well, but- and
0: other players everybody yeah. was oh yeah because uh, it was the stain of a scandal which was not he had not really he was completely the victim and the and-, fans, and the i saw
1: him in an oakland game the fans the fans and the way they treated him you know, just off the sidelines through all this too. You can't imagine the oh. courage that he had to have and how strong he had to play, to oh. play
0: NFL football. And there's so many ingredients to this. First, of all, also the fake girlfriend was a big part of the documentary, a huge part of the documentary, which he was cool to let that happen to come yeah, at it from it all angles. But here's a great reason why it was smart for him to do that. You found out how, when the fake girlfriend set up the account, she just started ramble randomly picking. Names and she was picking, you know, Polynesian names, and she recognized him because the fake girlfriend was a great football player who was a quarterback in high school and whose uncle played for the Raiders and whose father played for USC and came from a football background. So then they would match, she knew all the lingo to pull him in as well. And so that was that part was fascinating. And you know, this doesn't, this is no surprise. I'm not giving anything away here. He never played a good football game again.
1: No, he didn't. And I think his whole life is coming full center. It's a redemption story. So go watch it to see see a young man who hit I think below rock bottom. You know, you hear about rock bottom, there's oh. a lower layer than rock bottom. That's where the bedrock it, it, is where you it, can drill it, down yeah. lower than that.
0: Yeah. And now and you're in your developing years too, you're 21, you're at rock bottom and the whole world sees it. And he was able to come through it. And now I think he's going to be popular
1: in the media. I think he's becoming more comfortable in his own skin. He's
0: returned to Notre, Notre Dame was always embarrassed about him, but they invited him back. You know, what happens also is everybody under 40 in this culture has Netflix. So people saw it and by so many people seeing it and making the older people in their lives watch it my brother went to Notre Dame I told him you've got to watch this because he was embarrassed by this of course and I don't know if he has yet but he's got to it's so good and uh and it makes you feel bad how you may have prejudged it when it happens all the things we didn't know it's what a good documentary is all about and very rarely does a documentary come from several points of view. You get to see all points of view here, which bodes well for Manti Te'o.
1: On the next JT and Looney podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about the election propaganda. And what I mean by that is I live in Nevada and we, every single commercial battleground
0: state. We
1: are the, we are the battleground and it's been so bad. I thought maybe every five out of six commercials, six out of seven, no 10 out of every 10 commercials is a heinous, brutal, political ad of one party going after the other to the point where our phones are off. We have a landline. Everything's on DVR because I can't watch these commercials. I don't know who's going to win. I'm not here to make predictions, but we're going to get by election day in the midterms and hopefully find some sanity on our televisions again.
0: I live in La La Land where Democrats run against Democrats. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't see any of those commercials. We have such great symmetry here. Thank you for listening to all 32 minutes and 32 seconds of the JT and Looney podcast powered by our friends at bed online. Thank you for listening to believe you can show
1: support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E
0: A V on YouTube.